let's try to get serious here for a few minutes. Uh, Acts chapter 3, beginning with verse number 11. As the lame man, which was healed, held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power? I want you to notice what he's saying. Why are you looking at us so earnestly? Why are you, why are you staring at us? At, you know, this was the man that had been lame from birth. And he had been sitting at the gate of the temple. And everybody there knew he was lame. And now all of a sudden, he's not lame. And he's walking and leaping and praising God. And now everybody's staring at Peter and John. Like, how did you do this? How did you do this? And so Peter said, don't, don't, don't look at us like this as though by our own power or holiness we made this man to walk. The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers hath glorified his son Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. But Peter's really, I mean, he's not pulling any punches, is he? He's, he's even getting more bold than he was at Pentecost when he said this same Jesus whom you've crucified. I mean, he's really just letting them have it. Pilate, even Pilate wanted to let him go. And you refused. You denied him and asked for a murderer to be given to you instead. Notice, Peter said, don't look at us as though we did this by our own power. And then he turns around and says, let me tell you how it was done. It was done through his name. That's how it was accomplished. And so I want to preach to you tonight for a little while. Teach, preach, preach, whatever. Um, from this thought, what's in a name? What's in a name? Hallelujah. What's in a name? We didn't do this by our power. We did it through his name. So I'm asking you tonight, what's in a name? What's in a name? Would you put your Bibles down and lift your hands, lift your voices? Let's ask the Lord to help us tonight. I really need his help. Let's everybody talk to the Lord together. name in Jesus name in Jesus name let's worship him together everybody him for a few moments can we do that oh I love you Jesus
praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Well, are you going to help me tonight? Are you going to help me tonight? Are you going to preach with me tonight? Is there an Abishai in the house that if, if, if a giant comes up, you're going to step in and fight? As though I read a lot of that, I don't. I only read what I was made to read when I was in school as far as classic literature. So, and I didn't really, this phrase came to me, as I said, when I was praying the other day, this, this phrase came to me and I didn't even know the origin. I didn't know where this really came from. It didn't, didn't ring a bell with me. And so I had to go look it up and found out that this was one of the most famous lines in one of Shakespeare's most famous plays. It came from the story of Romeo and Juliet. Uh, as, as most of you are at least um, somewhat aware, that story is about a young man and a young lady who fell in love, but the problem was their families were at odds. And, and because of their families, they, they had to sneak around and they had, you know, and, and, and anyhow, sad story and um, spoiler alert, they die in the end. So, um, you know, this is what happened. This is, this is what happened. But during one of the discourses between Romeo and Juliet, she is bemoaning the fact that he has this last name, that, that uh, you know, that's his family, that's where he's from, doesn't matter to her, but it's obviously a problem to the rest of her family. And, and so she then, in, in her attempt to express how much she loves him and how little she cares about what family he comes from, she asked the question, what is in a name? What difference does it make what your name is? And then she comes along and she adds this comment, that which we call a rose by any other word would smell as sweet. And so in Juliet's mind, it doesn't matter what something is called. It is what it is, regardless of the name that's put on it. And I understand the, the, the point. And a name does make a difference. In fact, the wise man said a good name is more to be desired than riches. What your name is makes a big difference. Hallelujah. You know, it's amazing that you can find a lot of, a lot of people through the centuries since uh, the days of the apostles. A lot of people that are named Matthew or Mark or John or Andrew. Oh, you finally decided to pay attention. All right. Thomas. We find that. But isn't it? Interesting that you don't find many kids named Judas. Well, he was one of the 12 chosen by Jesus. But I'm telling you, a name does make a difference. A name does make a difference. 
There is a significance to a name. I'm here to tell you that the, and God is the one really who instituted this. It's not been through the governments of man, though they validated it and they passed laws uh, that, that have, have used the principle, but it really was started by God himself that I'm telling you that the name is the tool by which authority is exercised. Hallelujah. Contracts, checks, legal documents, none of them are any good unless the name is applied. And so we can safely say there is power in a name. There is authority in a name. Now stay with me. It's going to take a while tonight. And let me just warn you up front. That, that by the time I'm done, you're going to wonder where in the world I'm going because I'm going to go about three different directions before that there is power in a name. But that name, though it does indeed grant authority, there are certain limitations that come because only those who are given the right to use that name actually possess authority. A man in his blue uniform and, the, and the, 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 the star on his chest can say to someone, stop in the name of the law. And if you don't obey, there are consequences. But I can run out here and tell somebody, stop in the name of the law. And the name of the law is meaningless for me. You don't have to stop because I cite the name of the law. Because I don't have the authority that's been granted to that officer. Are you with me? Now, you know, you know, like him, don't like him, whatever. Um, the fact of the matter is the name Trump is a powerful name. more powerful now than it's ever been it's powerful both politically and financially I mean the man's worth millions I guess I hadn't seen his tax returns I don't know what he's worth but I, that's what he tells me so and I, you know what I don't, I don't even want to get into all that I don't even want to get into all that I'm, I don't even want to get into all that but anyhow I Sometimes I just wonder if he's just doing that just to yank people's chains. I, I don't know. He may have something he's trying to hide, but what I've seen, he just likes to aggravate people. I, he just likes to stir up stuff. So I don't know but what he's keeping it just so he can keep everybody stirred up about it. I don't know. But anyhow, I don't, I don't care. I don't care. It's not relevant. But the fact is that that name, that name carries with it a lot of financial power. And now a lot of political power. It really does. But I'm going to tell you, if I walk into a bank, even the bank he uses, and I try to take out a loan in the name of Trump, or I try to withdraw money in the name of Trump, you know what's going to happen to me? Not only am I not going to get the loan or the money, what I am going to get is a number across my chest. 
doesn't matter how powerful that name is. If I have not specifically been given authority to use it. Now, if on the other hand, for some reason, uh, the president signs what is called a power of attorney. You familiar with that? A power of attorney. What that means is he's giving me limited ability to use his name. And if I have that power of attorney to go take out a loan, then the name Trump does carry weight even though that's not my name. He has delegated to me authority that I don't have. If he gives me that power of attorney, all of a sudden I have access to millions. They're not mine. I don't own them. If I withdraw them from the bank, it's not because they saw I was worthy of it. But it's because of authority that was delegated to me through the assignment of his name. Well, hallelujah. Amen. With that specific delegation, his name becomes powerful. Without it, it's no more powerful than any other name. In my life, in my life, it's no more powerful than any other name without specific delegated authority. Is everybody with me? Now listen to me. I'm not here to preach about Trump. I am here to preach about what's in a name. And and I, I want a team of Jesus. If anybody ought to understand that, it ought to be us. If there's a people on the face of the earth that ought to comprehend how powerful the name of Jesus is, it ought to be us. We ought to know and understand the power that's in that name. For neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's power in the name of Jesus. I said there is power in the name of Jesus. I said there is power in the name of Jesus. That name is far more powerful than any politician or any billionaire. Because he doesn't just own uh, the millions that are in a bank. I'm telling you, he owns the cattle of a thousand hills. He owns the hills the cattle are grazing on. There is no shortage when it comes to what God possesses. And his name has power. In fact, in our text... In our text, Acts chapter 3 and verse 16, you know, they, the, the men, I said this, the men were looking at Peter and John and thinking, how did you do this? How did you accomplish this? And Peter said, don't look at us as though by our power or our holiness, we've made this man whole. We didn't do it on our own. Peter saying, I don't have the power to heal. I don't have the power to make a lame man walk. I can't call.
caused this to happen. But I'll tell you how it did happen. Read for me in Acts 3 and 16. And his name through and faith. his name through, through faith, faith in his name hath made this strong. Here's what Peter said. I want to tell you how this happened. Yes, I'm the one that took him by the hand. Yes, I'm the one that said, Such as I have, give I thee. But understand this: it was not Peter that made him walk. I'll tell you why he's walked allowed me to use his name. He delegated to me authority that comes with the power of his name. And so when I speak it, it's not because I'm bringing healing. It's because the one whose name I'm using is honoring the power and the authority of his name. Stay with me here tonight. Stay with me here tonight. Amen. Amen. That name, it's a powerful name. And Peter said, you've seen this. You've witnessed this with your own eyes. It made this lame man get up and walk because I used that name. And yet, let me show you something. Not every time that name is used do positive things happen. Not every time that name is used do you get the desired result. Acts chapter 19, verses 13 through 15. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preached. So here they are. They're dealing with demon spirits. And they said, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. We're going to use that name because there's power in that name. How many times have we said demons tremble at the sound of the name? Well, I want to tell you, these demons weren't trembling. These demons were not even nervous. They weren't even bothered. In fact, I don't know what demons do when they're residing in a man. I don't know if they're in there playing demon skip bow. I don't, I don't know what they're doing, but, but if they were, they didn't even look up from their cards. In the name of Jesus, you got to come out of him. But what happened? And there were seven sons of one Sceva, uh -huh. Jew, and chief of the priests, which did so. They did so, uh-huh. And the evil spirit But answered, the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know. Jesus I know. And Paul I and know. And Paul I know. But who are ye? But who are you? He's done. He's got to delegate that authority before it's effective. Well, hallelujah. You see, someone cannot just generate their own authority. You can't just wake up. This is one of the things that I'm dealing with. Lord, am I ever dealing with it in Africa? Because these guys just wake up one day and decide, I'm a prophet. I'm an apostle. I'm a whatever. I mean, they do. And so they all of a sudden think that, and, and they'll do this. I mean, they, I, I am a prophet, so I declare blessing upon you. My response, well, I declare. I don't care what you declared. If Jesus didn't give you that authority, you, you can spend the rest of your life making declarations and nothing's going to happen. You can't just decide you've got authority one day. 
you can't just wake up one day and say, I'm an apostle. I want to know who made you an apostle. All right, now help me, church. Help me here. I'm, I'm going somewhere with all of this. Help me here tonight. You see, we can't just generate authority on our own. Authority must be handed down from someone who has more authority than we do. We can't pick up authority from below us. If we're going to get authority, it has to come from a higher authority. Just like I can't just go and deputize myself. All right, I'm now an officer of the law. No, you're not. And I, I, can't, I can't deputize Pastor Hilton, all right? As of now, you're a deputy sheriff. Yeah, see what happens when you put the uniform on. It's called impersonating an officer. Because I don't have the authority to delegate it to him. It has to come from someone who has that authority. And it has to come down. Authority always flows down. Not walking. <laughs> Let every soul be subjected to the higher power. Let every soul be subject to the higher power. No now listen power, to what he says. For there is no power. But of God. But of God. The powers, the that, powers be that be are ordained, are ordained of, God. of God. Now the word power here. I did an extensive uh, Bible study I don't even know how long ago where I taught on power, understanding authority was the title of the lesson. And I went, I don't know, I think three weeks that I taught on understanding authority. There are two different Greek words that in our English Bible are translated power. There is the Greek word dunamis. It's the word from which we get our word dynamite. And, and, and it's talking about strength, might. That's dunamis and it's translated power. But in Romans chapter 13, the word is not dunamis. The word is exousia. And exousia means authority. All right? So this verse actually says, let every soul be subject unto the higher authorities. For there is no authority but of God. The authorities that be are ordained of God. Here's what Paul tells us. If you want to trace it all back, all authority starts with God. That's where it starts. So any authority anybody else wants, they can't just drum it up. Somewhere it's got to flow down from God. God's got to grant that authority. Well, hallelujah. That's, that's why, you know, you, you get folks that their, their mama or, or their wife or whatever called them to preach. I'm going to tell you, it's going to be a disaster. Because they're not getting authority from the source. You got to get it from the source. And God is the original source of all authority. And it has to flow down. And those that are lined up, those that are submitted to the authority above them, they can be granted delegated authority. Is everybody with me? This is the way it works. Amen. Pay attention to the words of the centurion. He had a sick servant. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him. And the man said, no, 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 no. I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. 
I'm not worthy for you to come into my house. I, 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 you, you don't have to do that, Lord. You really don't have to do it. I don't like this latter part. He said, I've got soldiers under me. I've got men that answer to me. I've got men that obey me. He said, I'm telling you, when I tell a man to go, he goes. And when I say to somebody, come, he comes. And if I look at my servant and say, do this, he does it. But I find it interesting that the man did not begin this statement by saying, I am a man who has authority. But he said, I am a man under authority. And because I am under authority, authority can flow from above through me. And that's why when I look at this man and say, go, he goes. Because authority has been delegated to me. And as a centurion, I have soldiers under me. They understand it's not me. It's Caesar. He's the authority here. And he's delegated that to me. And so if I say to a man, you've got to go, they know it's like Caesar saying it. I'm not doing this on my own. It's not because I'm a good guy and because I've got a great physique and I have this sharp mind. That's not why. But the reason why men obey me is because I am a man under authority. And as long as I remain under authority, I then have authority. It's delegated to me. All right. I know we're in Bible study mode, but, but follow with me here. Follow with me here. Amen. It is important that we understand this. It is important that we comprehend. Amen. That it's not the one that is speaking. Now, let me say this to us, church. I want to tell you, we as the church of the living God are the bride of Christ. Does everybody believe that? I can take you to the book of Revelation, prove it if we need to. I've, I've got so many scriptures now that I, it's going to take me forever. And so I'm, I'm trying to take it for granted. There are some things you just know, and I don't have to take you to the scripture and prove it to you, all right? But, but we are the bride of Christ. We are his bride. And one of the reasons why baptism in Jesus' name is so important as opposed to doing it saying, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Somebody said, well, there's no big difference. Yes, there is. Because there is authority in the name. And baptism is the only part of this process of salvation whereby we assume the name of the one who has the authority. So if we're never baptized in his name, we don't have his authority. That's why on judgment day, many are going to say, Lord, we've done all these things. And he's going to say, I never knew you. If he didn't know him, he must not have been the one doing those works. Well, hallelujah. He didn't even know them. I'm 
telling you, we got to understand something about all of this. We are the bride of Christ. At the moment of baptism, his name becomes ours. Now, let me, let me, if we have any feminists here, uh, I'm about to ruffle your feathers and I'm not trying to do that. Um, I'm just stating a fact of history. I'm not, I'm neither saying yay nor nay. I'm just stating a fact of history, all right? So hear me out. In order for us to really understand the significance of taking his name in baptism, we got to go back and look at something. It has been a practice for many years, and in fact, even in many countries. I've been in a number of countries in Africa now, and they do the same thing. It's the same practice there. That when a couple gets married, now, society today, just like they're trying to change everything else, they're saying that that's wrong, it's bad, women shouldn't have to do that, you know, women should be equal, and, and, and all that. So, whatever, debate all that another time on your time. I, I'm not going to even deal with that. What I'm going to deal with is the fact that it has been a part of custom for centuries that when a woman got married, she assumed the identity of her husband. Now, there was a reason for this. There was a reason for this. And, and historians have actually given it a name. They call it coverture. Coverture. C-O-V-E-R-T-U-R-E. Coverture. Coverture held that, that no female individual had a legal identity of their own. At birth, a female baby was covered, that's why coverture, was covered by her father's identity. And so she took her father's name. She was covered by him. She had no authority on her own. She was covered by her father's authority. And then when she got married, she was covered by her husband's identity. The husband and wife became one, and that one was the husband. Now, don't, again, we can debate all that later. I'm just telling you the way it was. And so these were what was known as covered women. Because without this covering, they were not considered to legally exist. They could not sign contracts. They could not enter into covenants. They could not own property. They, they couldn't work jobs. They couldn't be sued. Because the only and before him, we really didn't exist. It's not until I was born again through the water and the spirit that I really started living. Before then, I really didn't have an identity. The apostle Peter said it this way, who in time past were not a people. You were not a people, but now you are become the people of God. You're not just a people, you're God's people. 
and I didn't used to have an identity but now I have one because I'm married to Christ and he becomes my identity I didn't have the authority to buy or to sell or to do anything before but I've got some authority now it's been delegated to me just like that wife once she is married she could go down to the store she could transact business in her husband's name she could borrow things and sign it in her husband's name and it was honored are you hearing me because by marrying her he was delegating his authority to her whatever needed to be done she had the authority to do it If anything had to be signed, she had the authority to sign it because she was now covered by his identity. And I'm preaching to us, church. I want you to understand something happened when we became the children of God that many of us have never yet recognized because we want to try to retain our own identity. But if we'll lose our identity and take on his, then all of a sudden we've got authority. Not because of us, not because of our power, but it's been delegated to us. And this is not just any authority. This is not just any power. This is the authority of the one who created all things by simply saying, let there be, and there was. as long as I'm covered by his identity then I have authority I can use that name and when I speak that name he stands behind it when I use that name he's going to honor it he gave me that right he delegated that I'm telling you this is, what we, this is why we struggle with whether or not we're going to get healed when we come down for prayer because we're saying well that man or well me or well me Look, is it in the realm of God's authority to heal your body? Is it in the realm of his authority? Of course it is. Well, can I tell you something? When I became his bride, he delegated that authority to me. I can't heal you. I don't have the ability to heal you. I wish I could. I'd heal everybody, every sickness, if I could do it. I can't. But I am married to the one who can. And because of that, I get to use his name. Read for me Mark chapter 16, verses 14 through 20. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat, uh -huh. and upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Oh, he's upbraiding them because of their unbelief, the hardness of heart. Oh God, I just wonder if the Lord were to have a little set down conversation with his church today, how much upbraiding we would get, Brother Chad, because of our unbelief and hardness of heart. We've seen miracle after miracle after miracle, and yet we walk in here and think God's not going to do it for me. God's not going to do it for me. Well, it's the truth. So he's upbraiding them because of their unbelief and the hardness of their heart. Read. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world. He said to them, here's what I want you to do. And preach the gospel. To now look, he's about to ascend into heaven. And so he said, guys, physically, I'm out of here. But somebody's got to go. I happen to be tied up at the moment. And so somebody's got to do this job for me. So you 
are the ones I'm delegating to go into all the world. Need accomplished. But I'm telling you, I'm not sending you out there with your own power and your own ability. I'm not sending you out there to figure things out and try to work them out with your own knowledge. But I'm giving you something. I'm giving you something. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. In my name. Shall they cast out shall devils? they cast out devils? I'm telling you, as the as the bride of Christ, I'm not like the seven sons of Sceva. And I'm telling you, if some devil dared to raise its ugly head and look its crossed eyes at me and say, Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are you? My answer is, I am the bride of that Jesus that you know. And I've got the authority to use his name. And when I speak it, it is as if he's speaking. I've got his authority wrapped up inside of me. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Pastor Hilton, I'm telling you that in Lynn Valley, you are the man that God has vested his authority in. You've got the authority to take, uh, uh, to take control and take dominion over every spirit of hell that rises up against you. I don't care what comes. It's not about you. It's not about who you used to be. It's not about what you used to do. It's the fact that God has delegated to you authority. And when you speak, you can square your shoulders back. Not because of you. I'm not casting out devils in the name of Hilton. I'm not casting out devils in the name of Riggin. I'll tell you how I'll cast them out and they'll go from God. And if God, if God says you got to go, they got to go. And when I took on his name, that granted to me a, a, a sense of delegated authority that now I have power. In my name, they're going to cast out devils. They're going to speak with new tongues. What else? They're going to take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it's not going to hurt them. They're going to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Why? 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 Because there's somebody great. No, 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 not at all. But they're doing it in my name. Listen, this is part of what he commissioned the church to do. Now, look, I can't just go out here and say, in the name of Jesus, let a Mercedes appear. He didn't commission me to do that. But I'll tell you what he did commission me to do. Cast out devils. Deal with serpents. Heal the sick. 
He did commission me to do that. And so when I go to do those things, I have been given. See, I don't know of anybody that we talked about the power of attorney. I don't know of anybody that just signs a blanket power of attorney. But most of the time when you deal with those documents, they are called a limited power of attorney. There are specific limitations on where you can use that name. But I'm telling you, within our power of attorney, it's ours to cast out devils, to heal the sick. That's ours. That's in our power of attorney. It's specified. I can't heal you on my own, but I do have this document. Oh, God, I wish somebody would get a hold of this tonight. I wish, I wish somebody else could feel this like I'm feeling it tonight. I can't heal your sickness tonight, but I do have this document. I do have this document that granted to me a limited power of in this realm. I have all of heaven's authority standing behind me. finish that passage did we i just wanted to go ahead and show what happened here as a result of of this so then, so after, then after the lord the had spoke. spoken unto them yeah he was received up into heaven yeah. and sat on the right hand of god yeah. and they went forth and, and they everywhere. went forth and preached everywhere the lord working with and them. guess what that document worked i said that document worked the Lord was working with them and confirming, and the confirming word. his word signs with following. signs following. Amen. I'm telling you, God's going to stand behind the document. God's going to honor the document. And he has delegated authority to his bride. That's right. I'm telling you, anybody that believes this can get their healing right now. Because in the name of Jesus Christ, I command sickness to leave. I take authority over the spirit of infirmity right now. I command you to leave in the name of Jesus. on you. I don't have to anoint you with oil. I'm speaking in that name that all power comes from. And I've been granted this authority to do this. I'm telling you, some of you have been tormented by spirits. They've been plaguing your mind. They've been, they've been confusing you. And Sitabo Hoshana. 
I'm not being arrogant. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not being arrogant tonight. I'm not, I, I can't do this through my own power and my own ability. But I am a part of the bride of Christ. And he has delegated this authority to me. He's given it to me. And I have the right to use it. Hallelujah. Now I'm not, I'm not near done yet. I'm not near done yet. We're going we're gonna to confirm this. We're going to... We're going we're gonna to go a little farther into this here tonight. I hope you're not in a hurry. I warned you. I hope you're not in a hurry. It's, it's early yet. It's early yet. Stop the, the stopwatch. Just don't even run it tonight, all right? You're not even going to worry about it. It's going to be a few weeks before you have to listen to me again, so I'm going to give you enough to last you until I get back. Hallelujah. Uh, look, Matthew chapter 18, verse 18. Look at this. Verily I say unto Verily you. I say unto you. Whatsoever you, whatsoever shall, bind you shall bind on earth. Shall be bound in heaven. Shall be bound in heaven. Read. And whatsoever you shall and loose, whatever on, you loose earth, on earth. Shall be loosed in heaven. Do you know what he's saying? You're my bride. And if you sign a contract, it's official. I've given you that authority. Whatever you bind on earth, heaven's going to stand behind it. So when I bind the spirit of infirmity, heaven stands behind that. Oh, hallelujah. And whatever you loose, whatever you loose, on earth he said I'm going to honor that if there is something binding someone else and they need to be freed from that if you'll use my name I'm delegating to you the authority to loose them from whatever they're bound with I'm telling you some of you are so bound by fear you are so bound by fear. None of this is in my notes. I'm just telling you what I feel tonight, all right? But there are some of you that are so bound by fear. It's time for you to be set free from that. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Hallelujah. It's time for you to be loosed from that. Now, I can't loose you. I can't set you free on my own. I'm not able to do this by my own ability. But I will tell you this. I've got a document that grants me the authority, Brother Nick, that if somebody needs to be loosed, if somebody's tired, of the bondage that's holding them back. I got a document up here. I got a document, Brother Jerry. And he has delegated to me the authority to 
loose you from whatever has you bound. I'm telling you, I've got the document to prove that I've got the authority. And I'm telling you right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command, I command everything that's binding the people of God to let go. I command it to lose its grip. You have to listen, not because of me, but because of the one who has delegated his authority to me. Be thou loosed and be set free. He shut up Come on, let's just praise God for a moment. That's it, devil. Let go, let go, let go. You don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. My Lord, my Lord, my Lord. Come on, let's wait on the Lord for just a moment. I keep feeling something here. I keep feeling something here. Just obey the Holy Ghost. Obey the Holy Ghost. Come on, we're not in a hurry. I want God to do what he wants to do right now. Hallelujah. According to your faith, according to your faith, so be it unto you tonight. According to your faith, so be it unto you. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Jesus, 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 Jesus. Woo! Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. My Lord, my Lord, my Lord. In fact, I know the Lord's not done. I, I, I'm telling you, church, I'm telling you. I really believe, I really believe God is here tonight to honor everything that's in his word. He's here to confirm his word. He's here to confirm his word. He's here to confirm his word. Jesus said, verily or truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth, whatever you bind on earth. And that's in our contract. That's, that's in our power of attorney. He's delegated that authority to us. Whatever you bind, it's bound in heaven. Whatever you loose, it's loosed in heaven. That's in our document. It's there. Now, again, not because of us. I can't do it. You can't do it. But if God delegates that authority, and in fact, you just read on two verses later, what does he say in verse number 20? For where two or three are gathered together in my name. They're gathered, how? In my name. How? In my name. It's in his name. That's why he's going to honor the binding and the loosing. Yes, sir. Because we've come together under his authority. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, church, if we could ever really grasp this, if we could really understand, we're not just sitting in a church service tonight. Now, some of you might be, but, but that's not really the intention of God for you just to be sitting in a church service tonight. He wants you sitting in heavenly places understanding that while we're here we are operating and when we do it in his name he's going to be in the midst of all of it and, and he's going to honor it well praise God when we do something that's within the confines of our power of attorney. We do it in his name. He obligates himself to honor the authority of his name. Did you get that? Did you get that? I know some of you are struggling with that right now. I can tell, I can feel that. Some of you are struggling with that statement. Let me just see if I can explain it to you a little bit better. If he put within his word 
that we have authority to accomplish certain things, then whatever we do within those limitations, God's obligated to his word. Again, he's not obligated for everything I stick my neck out for if it's not within the confines of the authority he's delegated to me. But when it comes to dealing with spirits and it comes to sicknesses, and it, it, I'm telling you, all of that is well explained. It's detailed in this document. I have that authority. And because it's there, he's obligated to his word. Praise God. Now, oh, it's still early for me. Thank you. You may be the only one listening to me, but since you ask, I'll go ahead. Nah, it's going to anyhow, but. Now look, angels, there are fallen angels. And we call those fallen angels demons. They are real. They do exist. And, and, and the reason why some people are hesitant to deal with them is because they're looking at themselves and thinking, I can't do this. And that's right, you can't. But you have to understand something. Let's go back to Romans 13, verses 1 and 2. Every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resists. Now, now look at this. Paul's explaining all power flows down from God. All right? It all flows down from God. So whatever power, whatever authority has been granted, it's been granted by God. So he then says in verse 2, Whosoever therefore resisteth, whosoever the therefore power, resisteth that power, or the word is exousia, authority, resisteth the ordinance of God. Resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist, and they that resist shall receive, shall receive themselves, themselves damnation. damnation. Now, Here's what he says. What he's saying is that when somebody's acting under the authority of God, to resist the one acting on God's behalf is really resisting God. We're talking about dealing with demons. And we say, well, I just, I can't, I'm not, no, you're right. You're not. You can't. You're right. But you, they understand what we don't understand. If I command a spirit to leave and it resists, it's not resisting me. Because I'm not doing this by my own power. I'm using delegated authority. And when that spirit resists delegated authority, they'll start out by, by trying to run you down. Say, oh, you remember when you did this? You remember when, remember when you kind of fudged a little bit on that? So, you know, you didn't quite tell that story. You remember that? You think I had to listen to you? I don't have to listen to you. Well, you're right, devil. You don't have to listen to me. 
but you do have to listen to him. And when you start trying to resist me, if I'm up, now I'm not telling you you got licensed, you understand, I don't have to qualify all this. But when you start resisting me, if I am operating within the realm of delegated authority, devil, you try to resist me, it's not me you're resisting. It's God. And you will suffer the consequences. Because I've been given this authority. It's not mine. It's delegated to me. That's why when Jesus sent the 70 out. Some of you didn't know he did send 70 out, but he did. Remember, they came back rejoicing. What were they rejoicing about? Even, what? Even the devils are subject unto us. That's what they were saying. They were rejoicing about that. Now, look, they weren't subject to them. They were subject to the one who authorized them. Well, praise God. In fact, I'm, 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 I'm turning over there. You got it in your Bible there because I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't include this, but it, it probably is good to just point it out while we are in this setting. Um, I've got verse 16, but I want you to read verse 17 for me. All right, this is Luke 10, I'm sorry. Luke 10, Luke 10. And the seventy returned again with joy, saying, "Lord, even Lord, even even the devils, even the devils are subject, are subject unto, us, unto us." Wait a minute, they're subject unto us how? Through Thy name. They're subject unto us how? Through Thy name. That's it. We went out. We didn't have power. We didn't have. It's it's not in us, but we're rejoicing because. Come on, any of you parents ever, you, you, you got more than one kid and, and one of them's out there doing something they shouldn't and you're busy and you, you tell one of the other siblings, get out there and tell them I said come in. You know how well that goes, right? I know you two, you two never had that. Or did they? Uh, yeah, she ain't telling. <laughs> Where mama says, get out there and get him in this house. So he goes out there. He said, you get in the house. And the response is, you're not my boss. No, I'm not. But mama is. And mama is the one who said, get in there. Well, I don't believe it. Okay, you just keep on not believing it because eventually mama's going to finish what she's doing and mama's the one that's going to come deal with you. Am I telling the story accurately? Can I get a witness? A few of you are willing to admit it. That's the way it goes. And I'm telling you, it's look, one sibling is not the boss of another sibling. But if they're speaking under delegated authority, you understand that sibling that's refusing, he's not going to suffer the wrath of the other sibling. 
going to suffer the wrath of the one who has the authority. Are you following with me? That's the way it works with demonic forces, with whatever it is we're dealing with. It's not, we come in and say, all right, you got to go. You're not my boss. No, you're right, devil. I'm not. But he is. And he's the one who said. And when he says it, you try to resist him, you're going to regret that. I can promise you. See, and so let's back up now. Let's read verse 16. This is the one I gave you. This is Luke 10. Let's read verse 16. He that heareth you, heareth me. And he that despiseth you, despiseth me. And he that despiseth me, despiseth him that sent me. All right, all right. Now, I'll tell you what. I'm going to come back to that. Before I get to that, I want you to go down to verse 19. It's not in the notes. It's there in your Bible. Because I love verse 19. Might as well throw it in. It fits in with what I'm preaching. And I might as well use 20 more scriptures. Behold, I give unto you power. Listen to what he says. Be you authority to do what? To tread on serpents tread scorpions. upon serpents and scorpions. And over all the power now, of the he's not animals. talking about the physical animals. He's talking in the spiritual realm because he goes on to say, and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means Nothing hurt. shall by any means hurt you. Do you understand what he just put in that document? I don't care what devil it is. I don't care how bad it is. Right. I've been saying to this church, we've been in the midst of a spiritual battle for a while. And I've told you, it's the worst I've ever had to deal with. But I'm going to tell you, even the worst I've ever had to deal with. We've been granted delegated authority. Because what's going to happen is God's going to grant revelation to this people and they're going to understand and they're going to rise up as one. And when they get through with you, you foul spirit from hell, you're going to be on the bottom of their shoes. Because he's giving to us the power to tread. I'm trying. I promise you, I really am. I'm trying. I'm trying. Somebody said, yeah, you're very trying. No, no, no. All right. Now let's get back to the verse I wanted to get to, the one's in your notes. Verse 16. He that heareth you. Heareth Here's what me. Jesus said to these. Now he's, he's given them all this authority. And he says to them, he that, we're on verse 16 now, Brother Josh. Okay, good. All right. So um, he that heareth you, what? Heareth me. Heareth me. Jesus said this because you're operating under my authority. Right. So when they listen to you, they're listening to me. It's the one that sent you that they're despising. It's the one who authorized you that they are despising. That's the way delegated authority works. So when we come to the devil or we come to a sickness or we come to a problem or we come up to a mountain. For Jesus said, if you got faith like a grain of mustard seed, you can look at this mountain and say, be thou removed and be cast into yonder sea. And it has to obey you.
And I'm telling you, when you're looking at that mountain and that mountain says, who are you, pipsqueak? You say, I'm nobody, but I do happen to have this document. I happen to have authority granted to me. And if you think you're going to withstand me, you better understand it's not me you're withstanding. You're withstanding the one who made you. Maybe now you know why I was feeling so good in the Holy Ghost here when we got started. I'm still feeling good. I hope you're feeling good. I hope everybody's feeling good. In fact, I hope you're feeling better right now than you did when we started. Because there is a revelation that God's trying to give to this church tonight. He's trying to help us to understand. He's trying to show us some things tonight that we have been granted authority from him to accomplish the tasks he wants accomplished. Does he want this city reached with the gospel? How are we going to do it? We're going to do it by his authority. Not by ours, but by his. We're going to have to fight some devils. But we got the authority to do it. We don't have to back down. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be scared. We've got the authority. You know, I, I like, my, my, my pastor talked about being in the Philippines um, and, and preaching there. And he said it had been, I think I've told this story before, probably at this point after 22 years, I probably told every story before. So get used to it. Um, the older I get, the more I'll tell them again and again. Uh, my pastor talked about going to the Philippines, and he said, man, they'd, of course, they had fought devils. I'm telling you, we, we really don't understand. Those of you who don't really believe that there's all these demonic forces, you, you just go with me sometime to Africa. You get into some of these third world countries where witchcraft is heavy, and I'm telling you, you're going to deal with some things. You're going to see things that you never thought you'd ever dream of seeing, and even those of us that don't have much hair, it still stands up on its end. I'm telling you, even Brother Dell's hair would stand up on the end if he went with me sometime. That's, that's saying something now. It's, and and he had, I think he had preached three or four services in one day. And, and uh, you know, it's like, it, it's preach, and then, then you travel to another place, and you preach, and you travel to another place, you preach. None of these places are air-conditioned. It's, it's hot. It's exhausting. And he said, finally, when they got to bed late that night, he said, he laid down. And he's, he's laying there, and he looked up, and he said that he saw this dark form hovering over his bed. And he recognized immediately this, I'm not seeing things. This is a demon. I'm, I've got a devil here that's wanting to fight with me tonight. And he said, this is what I did. He said, I just looked up, and I said, devil, I am too tired to even worry with you tonight. I'm going to sleep. And he rolled over and he went to sleep. Hallelujah. Now I'm just, I know you really wanted to hear about this big fight that they had and all that, but no, no. I'm just telling you, God has given us authority. 
We don't have to be afraid. It's the devils that need to be afraid. They're the ones that need to be worried. They're not worried as long as we don't have this revelation. They're not concerned as long as we are afraid of them. But if we ever really understand, let me try to move on here. Let me try to move on. So, so earlier in, in this conglomerate of whatever it is, teaching, preaching, whatever. When I studied English, they taught us about run-on sentences. I guess this is a run-on sermon. Um, I, I dealt with the principle of coverture, which was the basis for women taking their husband's name. Let me come back to that here briefly and just touch on something. You see, for that woman to assume a new name meant that she had lost her previous identity and had assumed the identity of the one who had authority. And her authority was then, or that authority was then granted to her associated with that name because she had a new identity. That's why it was so important to her that she take on that name. Now, I know things don't work that way anymore. I know things, it's a different world now than it was. And in some ways, it's good that things aren't exactly like they've always been. All right? In some ways, it's good. Um, but, but the fact of the matter is, that at that time, the woman had no hope of doing anything unless she was willing to assume that name because it was that name that gave her the ability. She had to change her name in order to have authority. And she had her father's name, but she's just a daughter. And as a daughter, she really didn't, she wasn't granted a whole lot of authority as a daughter. It's just the way it was. But as a wife, it was a different status. And so it was crucial to her that she assume a new name. Without that new name, she had no authority. And she needed authority. She was going to have situations to deal with. She was going to have to take care of things. She was going to have to transact business. And the only way she could do it was to take a new name. Scripture, God changed somebody's name to indicate a new level of authority. Jacob, Genesis 32, 28. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. The angel said, Your name is no more Jacob, which means supplanter or deceiver. That's who you used to be. You're not that anymore. Because, because, as a prince now, you have power with God. You now have authority 
You're not that old deceiver you used to be. You're not the same individual you once were. There's a difference now. And we want to recognize that difference through a change of name. And so it was that even though he's referred to as Jacob many times after that, the fact is his lasting legacy is not the name Jacob. His lasting legacy is the name of the one who became a prince. Because in the Middle East today, they're not fighting over the country of Jacob. They're fighting over the country of Israel. Where did that name come from? Where did they get that name? Right here. When their great, 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 dot, 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 grandfather had a moment of conversion and God vested in him new authority. We don't talk about the 12 tribes of Jacob. I know you're saying, what in the world does this have to do with, you just hang with me, hang with me, hang with me. Jacob's not the only one, of course, and I could go through a lot. Of, we, there's a lot of we talk about, but, but even, even getting into the New Testament, even in the New Testament, did you know, did you know that, that one of the main apostles had his name changed by Jesus? Some people don't realize that. They don't realize that's what happened. But it is according to the scripture. Luke 6.14, listen to this. Simon, Simon, whom he also whom, named, now wait a minute, whom he also named, named Peter. Peter. Did you get that? Yes, sir. He wasn't born with the name Simon Peter. He was born with the name Simon, which means hearer. You know, kind of a, well, I'm just listening to what everybody else says. I'm kind of following what everybody else does. That was Simon. But he, that's Jesus, changed Simon's name. In fact, according to John's gospel, it's one of the first things Jesus did. John chapter 1 and verse 42. And he brought him to Jesus, and when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the, thou art Simon, the You're son Simon, of Jonah. The son of Jonah. Thou shalt but you be shall be called Cephas. Cephas. Now, Cephas is just a Syriac form of the same name, Peter. It's, a, it's just a different language, all right? It's, it's, it's kind of like Juan and John, all right? So in, in this case, John chose to use the Syriac version, but, but we know from the other Gospels that Jesus used this form, Peter. So Jesus is the one who changed Simon's name from hearer or the one who's just following everybody else, seeing which way the wind blows. I'm calling you Peter, a rock. You're not following, you're setting the standard. You're a little wishy-washy right now, Simon, but that's going to change. So I'm changing your name. Right? That's what it said. All right. So just making sure. 
Jesus is the one who changed it. And yet, we find a couple of occasions where Jesus didn't call him Peter. Such as Mark 14, 37. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping and saith... This is in the garden of Gethsemane when they should be travailing in prayer. And the Lord found him doing what? He was sleeping. He should have been praying and he was sleeping. Yeah, wake up and answer my question. No, I'm just kidding. Saith unto Peter, Simon, saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest. He said to Peter, what? Sleepest thou? Wait, 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 wait. He said to Peter, Simon. Isn't that interesting? When he catches him asleep when he should be praying, he didn't call him Peter then. He called him by his old name. You're Simon. Right now, that's what I see. Right now, that's how you're acting. Hallelujah. Another time in Luke 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, The Lord said, Simon, 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 behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. He didn't call him Peter. The devil's really after you. You got some, some things going on in your carnal flesh here, Simon. And the devil really wants to get you. So he didn't call him Peter. At that moment, he wasn't the rock. He is still Simon. And the Lord recognized that. And I think by doing that, reminded Peter, you need to get a grip on this. You need to deal with this. I'm going somewhere. Hang on. I know you're scratching your head. Say, what in the world is this all about? Just, just, just hang with me, all right? But on the other hand, now when he's sleeping, he should be praying, he's Simon. The devil's after you, wants to destroy you, he's Simon. Is one of those moments. You're a rock. This is where you're, you're not waiting to hear what everybody else says. You're not trying to follow the crowd. You have established something here in the comment, and I want to recognize you now, not as what you have been, but as what I see that I'm going to make out of you because I'm seeing that come. There was a reason to change his name. Acts 13, verse 9. Then Saul. Now, we're changing. We're going to a different story now. We're going to talk now about Saul, all right? Because Saul's name was changed also. I mean, this wasn't just an Old Testament thing. Saul's name was changed. And, and, and this is Acts uh, chapter 13, verse 9. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes okay, on Okay, so I just want you to see Saul... Is also called Paul. Now, that's, that's all the Bible gives us about this. The Bible gives us no explanation, does not tell us when he was no longer called Saul. Uh, the Bible does not tell us who changed his name. All we know is that up until the moment of his conversion, he's known exclusively as Saul. But there was some point after his conversion that his name was changed. Now look, when the Lord addressed him at Damascus, 
This is Paul telling his own story, Acts 22, verse 7. Listen to how the Lord addressed him in Acts 22, verse 7. And I fell into the ground and heard a voice saying unto me. I heard a voice saying unto me. Saul, Saul. Saul, Saul. Why persecute me? So at that moment, when the Lord spoke to him, he called him by the name Saul. Right? The Lord used that name. That's who he was. He was the persecutor. But he was a good man. I mean, really, we, we kind of give Paul a bad rap. But he was doing everything he did in sincerity. What happened in Acts chapter 9, but this is Acts 22. I chose this verse for a reason. We're going to turn just one chapter now to Acts 23, verse 11. The Lord's going to speak to him directly again. Acts 23, verse 11. This is one chapter later. The Lord speaks to him. And the night following, the Lord stood by him and said, be of good cheer, Paul. Wait a minute. What did the Lord just call him? The Lord called him by that new name. The Lord recognized a different name. Same one that called him Saul on Damascus Road is calling him Paul now. Be of good cheer, Paul. Why? For as thou hast testified, testified of, me in of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear gonna, witness also. I'm just telling you, I've got great plans for you. I've got a big, big task for you to accomplish. When he was being knocked to the ground and convicted of sin, he was Saul. But now, he's got a great job to be done, and we're going to recognize that, and we're going to use a new name. To recognize the task that is ahead. Now, look, I I'm, I'm promise you, I'm coming to a close. I promise. Uh, in fact, I've only got just a few more scriptures on that list, right? Just a few. Don't even know that I'll get to all of those. But I've got just, what, maybe three, four? I don't know. Not many. Not many. Don't tell them how many, but not many. It's interesting. We talked about the seven sons of Sceva. But did you notice how hell recognized him? Did you notice how the demons referred to him? Read it again in Acts 19, verse 15. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, Jesus I, I know, know, and Paul, I know. Paul, I know. Not Saul. I know Paul. I know that man. They recognized his position with God and the name that had been assigned. Now I'm going to tell you, as the people of God, Revelation 21, verse 7. He that hath an ear. He that hath an ear. Let him hear what, let the, him hear what the Spirit to the says to the church. To him that overcomes. Whoever overcomes. Will I give to eat what, of the hidden what, man? I'll take the blame. This time and this time only. Revelation 2, verse 7. Two ver that's not even right. It's 17. 217. Get it right. Get it right. Revelation 217. Just read. He'll find he us. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Let him to hear the what the Spirit says to the churches. To him that overcometh. Whoever overcomes. Will I give to eat I'm of the hidden manna. Give to eat of hidden manna. And will give and him a white I'm going to give him a white stone. And in, the stone, and in that stone, what's going to be there? What's going to be there? What's going to be there? I'm going to give him a new name. I'm going to give a new name. 
which no man knoweth saving he that receiveth. And really when you look into that, no man's really going to comprehend the depth of what this name signifies except the one I give it to. Listen, nobody appreciated being called Paul more than Saul did. Nobody appreciated being called Israel more than Jacob did. Nobody else understood the significance of that new name. Like the one who received it. Are you hearing me? And I'm telling you, this is what he said. If you'll do what's right, if you'll live what, if, if you'll just be what I want you to be, I'll tell you what I'm going to do for every one of you. I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to assign a name to you. To, it, it may not mean anything to anybody else, but it's going to mean something to you. Because you're going to know where I brought you from. And you're going to know how I kept you. And when you hear that new name called, it's going to mean everything. And I'm telling you, nobody understands the day that the name Jesus was applied to my life. Nobody knows like I know. You don't know like I know what he's done for me. And you can't tell it like I can what he's done for me. But in that day, he gave me a brand new name. And I don't have to use the name that meant sorrow and pain and failure and sin I got a new name and when I stand before the devils of hell and when I stand before my problems I'm telling you I don't have to address them with the old name I'm not Jacob I'm Israel I'm not Saul I'm Paul I'm not Simon I'm Peter I've got a new name and I address you in the name that I've been given and the name I've been given is that name that's above every name because the Bible says the whole family in heaven and earth is called by that name oh let's praise him together all right all right so now I gotta tie up all these loose ends to make this thing come to a close I got to tie up all these loose ends and I'm going to do that. Because I know that to some it seems like I've been just a little bit scattergun. I've dealt with, started out with what's in a name. Talked about how a name does matter. I talked to you about delegated authority. and The significance of being given a new name. That's the sign that new authority has been given. That's why he was Israel. He had new authority. That's why he was now Peter. He had new authority. That's why he was Paul. He had new authority with God. It was the sign of delegated authority. So that really could have been three separate messages on three nights, but I don't have three nights. I leave for Africa tomorrow, so I've got to get it all tonight. But I promise you, I'm not wandering aimlessly through unconnected subjects. There really has been a method to my madness. Now look, church, let me just talk to you as I try to, we talked about the other night, land this plane. Let, 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 me, let, me, let me talk to you. As you are well aware, the battles that we've been fighting, the things that we've been dealing with, of course, it has made my load heavy. And, and, and to have on top of that everything that's happening in Africa and all of the situations that I've got to deal with in Africa. And I've, 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 I've not made it a secret. I, 
in fact, preached to you two weeks ago, Sunday morning and Sunday night, how desperately I need you as a church to help me fight this battle. I need you because I can't do this alone. And Brother Thompson came and he helped relieve some of that burden for a while. And I'm thankful getting things done and doing things that needed to be done just to help lift my load. And I want to tell you, I want to tell you, I appreciate everything from following up with visitors that have come to helping to oversee young people and work with them and try to put things in them. Listen, saints of God, I appreciate it. And, and I'm going to tell you, don't stop now. Boy, I only got about two amens. Hopefully you weren't looking for a night that you could give me your resignation letter. Tonight's not the night. I'm telling you, you've only just begun. I got a lot more where that came from. I'm looking to you as a church to understand this is not a job I can get done on my own. It's not a job for one man or two men. What's got to be accomplished in this city has to be the effort of this entire body. We've all got to get this burden. I'm not getting the response I was getting a while ago when we're taking authority over demons and but this is just as much truth. This is not my job. This is not my church. This is our church. And it's our jobs. And you've got to take ownership of this thing. And you've got to understand, if, if, if we need somebody to pray, you've got to do some praying. If we need somebody to fast, you've got to do some fasting. If the young people need someone to help them, encourage them, pray with them, somebody's got to step up and do it. And I'm telling you, I'm thankful for those that have. I want the rest of you on board. You don't have to do it by your, you say, I can't, I can't. I'm telling you, you don't have to do it by your own authority. The same God who sent me here and delegated his authority to me to oversee this church and this city. I'm telling you, I have the authority to delegate it to you. And that same anointing and that same unction and that. And what you think you cannot do, that same grace that's helping me do what I know I can't do can help you do it as well. Oh, I still feel the Holy Ghost and I still feel good. I'm telling you, church, it's time for us to rally. We've got the greatest opportunity we have ever had. I know we're fighting devils. I know we've got battles. But I'm telling you, we've never stood at a place where we're standing right now. We've never had a greater opportunity for a breakthrough and a Holy Ghost move than what we've got right now. But I can't get us there by myself. I need everybody here to get on board. And 
put your shoulder to the plow and say, we're in this together. We're going to cross the finish line together. Now, look, there's an amazing thing. I, 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 I told a church one time some years ago, I said, look, I can get up and preach about unity. And boy, every one of you will shout amen. We need unity in this church. Boy, do we ever need unity in this church. And every one of you really mean that. The problem is your definition of unity. Because your definition of unity is that everybody will see things from your perspective. And when everybody sees things your way, then we can all have unity and we'll all get things done. The problem with that is God didn't grant you the authority to set the direction. You can't generate this authority on your own. So somebody's got to be the pipeline through which that authority flows. And everybody catches that vision and everyone rallies around that vision right now. And I'm telling you, I'm not, I'm not going to get us there on my own. I need you to get on board. I need you to, to shoulder part of this load and get in there and help me. I don't have authority outside of what God's given to me. But I'm going to tell you, I believe God wants me to delegate authority. And in that delegation, God's going to honor what I say. It's within the confines of the document. And when I commission you to teach Sunday school or to work a bus route or to follow up with visitors, God's going to honor that commissioning. And God's going to give to you the grace you need to do that job. Hallelujah. I've spent all this time trying to get this. Because we're not just dealing with demons and devils and sicknesses. We're dealing with building a church. And, and look, dealing with demons and sicknesses and problems, that's just, that's just, that just comes with the territory. That's not why we're here. That's not why God put us here. He put us here to build a church. He put us here to save souls. That's what he put us here for. The rest of it just comes with the territory. But he put us here to build a church. So I'm telling you, within the confines of that, I've got the authority to commission you. To let this grace flow. and You can do things you never dreamed you could do. You can accomplish tasks you never thought you could accomplish. Not because of you, but because of delegated authority. Well, hallelujah. Now, look. One of the, I believe one of the worst plagues of church. You're a part of this. You're a necessary part of this. You're an important part of this. God brought you here for a reason. 
God put you in this body for a purpose. Well, hallelujah. And I'm telling you, we got to get this understanding that we are part of a body. We have been brought together by the power of the Holy Ghost. And now it's time for all hands on deck. While we have this open door that God has set before us, let everybody, let everybody rise to the occasion and say, I'm going to do whatever's got to be done. We're going to push this thing over the top. Thank you for the two or three. I'm talking to the rest of you. Come on. We got to all get together and say, whatever it takes, whatever I got to do, we're going to push this thing over the top. We're not going back. We're not looking back. We got our sights on a revival church, a book of Acts church. And we're going to get there. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. We're going to get there together. Being under spiritual attack, being in the kind of warfare we're in. It does concern me when I am gone. Brother Jared Hilton has come faithfully for the last year and taken care of the services on the weekends in my absence, and I appreciate that. Others have filled in and helped, and I appreciate that. But I'm going to tell you, especially the closer we get to the breakthrough God's about to give us, the more intense this battle's going to become. Are you hearing me? Give me just a few more minutes, just a few more minutes, all right? The closer we get to a spiritual breakthrough, the more intense this battle's going to become. And I'm going to tell you, the devil knows how to take advantage of my absence. He knows how. He knows how. If he's going to stir this, if what I'm telling you is true, and I believe it is, things are going to heat up, the power of God's going to get greater, but the battle is going to become more intense as well. The devil's going to fight harder. God's going to bless more, but the devil's still going to keep fighting. And if he's going to take advantage of my absence, what has troubled me for some time is that in my absence there is no one who really has the delegated authority to deal with the demons that arise. I mean, there's nobody that really has the kind of authority on the ground to take care of things. Spiritual attacks that come. There really is no leader when I leave. And I'm going to tell you, church, I'm not leaving, leaving. All right, Brother Herring came to me. I didn't say anything to Brother Herring. He came to me during that revival, and he told me, he said, Brother, I really feel like there are people here that are still really worried that you're going to resign, and you're going to leave them, and then you're out of here, and they're going to have to go through all this again. And I said, Brother Herring, you do whatever you feel like you need to do. Say whatever you need to feel, whatever you feel like you need to say. I just gave him liberty. He didn't do anything at my prompting. He did everything at the prompting of the Holy Ghost. There was a night during revival he did address it. And I'm coming along confirming to you, church. I'm not, I'm, yes, I care about what's going on in Africa, but I care about what's going on right here. 
And this is a priority to me. And I can't leave the church with no leadership. I'm not resigning. I'm not transitioning. All right? That day will come somewhere down the road. When I talked about this morning, you're wheeling me up here in my wheelchair, right? <laughs> Something I don't know. But, but it's not now. And it's not imminent. I feel like God brought me back for a purpose. And so, so I won't say that. Um, look, I just want you to know, church, I'm in this for the long haul. All right, I'm in it for the long haul. And, and in fact, during all of this time, I really felt like God gave me some things, showed me very clearly, and, and again, if this disappoints some of you, I regret that you're disappointed. But the fact is, I feel like God's confirmed to me through the pages of Scripture that there are times when God just connects a man to an assembly and he's going to be with that assembly. He's going to have authority in that assembly until. And so whatever happens, it will never be as it was. But it ain't happening now. All right? So forget it. Let's pull together now and let's push this thing over the top. Now, I told you I am concerned that there's nobody that has authority in my absence. There really is no leader in my absence. All right? I have prayed and prayed and prayed about what to do. I've sought counsel. I've talked about it. Because it's not fair to you for the flock to not have somebody when I'm gone. It's not fair. It's not right. And so, and so tonight, I am, I am happy. I am thrilled. I am relieved that Brother Jared Hilton is home. But I want to tell you, he hasn't come home to just be a youth leader again. He is here to fill a very needed role that's going to help ensure the protection and preservation of this assembly. He is not coming here as pastor. And don't you forget it. And he won't. He's not coming here as junior pastor. I haven't entered into this flippantly, casually, haphazardly. I've prayed diligently and I feel it's right. He is coming to assist the one who is your pastor. And is going to continue to be your pastor. Therefore, he's not going to be instituting changes. He's not going to be coming up with rules. He's not going to be setting guidelines. Do you know what he's going to be doing? He's going to be listening for my vision and my heartbeat 
and he's going to pour himself into accomplishing what I feel like needs to be done in this church. That's the way delegated authority works. He and I have talked many, many hours. I don't even know how many hours we have spent talking before this ever came to this point. Understanding, making sure we had a clear understanding. That, that he is coming here in a specific role and for a specific job. And that is to hold up my hands. He's, he's not... He's not, come, he didn't bring a whip with him so he could come in and crack the whip. That's not, he, and he's not coming to take away from anybody who's doing things the job you're already doing. There are just things ministerially that need to be done. That I need a preacher to do it. And I'm going to tell you, when a man has spent as many years under my ministry as he has. He and, and his brother, especially, I know we've, we've got Brother Merriman, Brother Goff, I'm not sliding them. But I'm telling you, he understands. This is not going to bring a change to anything, no change in the direction of this church. He is strictly going to be helping me carry us the direction we need to go. Now, I know some of you are concerned about his age. He's 25 years old. But let me tell you, I was pastoring at age 24. Not assistant. I was pastor at 24. Most of my congregation was old enough to be my grandparents. And that's the truth. That's not an exaggeration. But they respected me and they honored me. And they let me preach. And they looked beyond my youthful ignorance. And they were kind to me. In spite of the fact that I was so young. If we really understand delegated authority, it doesn't matter the age. Because the authority he's going to be using is not his own. The authority he's going to be using is what I give him. He's not allowed to step outside the realms of that authority, come up with things. I'm telling you, what I know about this man is everything that happens, he's going to be running it by me. And when he speaks, you're not hearing him. You're hearing me. That much I feel very, very confident of. He will have authority but only as it's delegated from me. He's not just going to be leading the young people. He's going to be helping me lead you. All right, now, we went to Joshua and I went to Moses with Aaron and her. I made mention that that's, that's the role I see him in. He's here to hold my hands up. We got a battle to fight. We got an enemy that hates us. We got to have victory. But my arms get tired. I'm holding a whole lot of things right now. And my arms get very tired. He's guns up. But that's, 
It wasn't the hands up that was destroying the enemy. Joshua was still down there in the valley and he's fighting. I hope you understand the analogy that I'm making to you tonight. I'm, t- I'm not bringing him in here to start replacing everybody and to run everything. That's not the idea. The idea is I've got to have somebody hold my hands up, but I still need you out there fighting. I need you doing everything you're doing. I need you to do more and to get more involved. But this man's just going to be holding my hands up. He will have delegated authority. And I want you to understand, and this is why I really felt like weeks ago, the Lord told me this is the way this service needed to go. We needed to do this. It needs to be understood before I leave tomorrow. I I don't just want the church to understand. Look, I know some of you will struggle with it. Some of you will take some time. Some of you, you know, it's just, it's the way it is. It's human nature. But I'm going to tell you this. Hell understands what's taking place tonight. And the moment I delegate authority to him, Hell knows that, and hell's going to recognize it. Whether the people recognize it or not, hell's going to recognize it. And more importantly, heaven's going to recognize it. And I'm telling you, get ready for a deeper level of anointing on his life as God gives him the grace to help fulfill my vision. He's not infallible. He'll be the first to tell you that. But I tell you what, I do believe he's got a right spirit and a right attitude. And I believe that he is putting his life as clay into the hands of the potter and saying, mold me the way you want me to be. Hallelujah. Can I tell you this? Not that it should matter. How many young people were in the youth group in Colorado Springs? 80? So he, and, and, and there, Brother Burgess didn't call him youth leader. It was clear his role there was youth, not with his own authority, under the authority of Pastor Burgess. All right? And I'm telling you, it's, I'm not making him pastor. I'm not making him junior pastor. I'm not making him pastor number two. And in fact, I, the title is not even officially assistant pastor. It's assistant to the pastor. So he's here to assist me. Now, I'm going to tell you, what we're about to do, we're going to close this service out. But I'm going to do something very biblical tonight. Over a year ago, I taught a series of lessons on the laying on of hands. And I showed you from the scripture that in the laying on of hands, this is something God honors. It is something God honors. It's not an empty ritual. God instituted it, and when it is put in practice, God honors it. I've got a couple more scriptures here, so these really are the last two. And in fact, Amanda, if you want to come, it's been great to have Amanda here. Amen. And it's been great to have Jax. Even when he's 
praying, please don't whip me, please don't whip me. That boy doesn't miss anything. Uh, a couple more scriptures. Numbers chapter 27, verse, verses 18 to 20. Read for me. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thine hand God on him. God said to Moses, I want you to take Joshua, the son of Nun. Read. A man who, in whom is the Spirit, and lay thine hand upon I him. I want you to lay your hand on him. And set him before Eliezer. Set him before Eliezer the priest. And before all the congregation. For all the congregation. And give him, give a, him char- a charge, charge in, their, in sight. their sight. And thou shalt put, and some, thou of shalt put some of thine honor upon him. That all the congregation of the all children of, the congregation of, Israel of Israel may be obedient. May be obedient. Now God said, Moses, you put your hands on him. Joshua was the leader he was. Is because Moses laid his hands on him. And God honored that. It was an act of transference that took place in that moment. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask him. Now, one more thing I need to say before we do this. Come here. Come here. Come here. I love this young man. Um, the whole deal about the new name I wasn't just wasting time preaching about all that either. Because I know that for 21 years, he has been Jared to this church. Or Brother Jared. And and I understand that. But I want to tell you, I think we need to recognize a change in a level of authority. And I, I'm asking this church... And I know, I know old habits are hard to break. I know that. I, I understand it. I've been there. I've, I've had to deal with it. It's hard. I find myself slipping. When you do something for 20 years, it's hard to just change that overnight. But I know that, I know this because Brother Burgess told me this. The day he went out to Colorado Springs, he got there at a picnic the church was having. Someone introduced themselves to him, and he introduced himself. He said, I'm Jared. Brother Burgess said, here you are not Jared. You are Brother Hilton. Right? Yeah. Brother Burgess told me that story. You're not Jared here. You're Brother Hilton. And there's a reason for that, because it does set things apart, and it helps us forget about the little boy that we watched grow up once in a while I get into a little meanness not too often but once in a while but it helps us focus not on what the past was but on what it's going to be going forward I'm just I'm appealing to this church let's let's start working on it all right let's let's do something about it for this man time that they spent around him while they were there preaching, the things that they saw out of him, their level, his ministry has been recognized and respected by great, great men. We've known him. We've watched him grow up. But I'm asking this church to recognize this act of delegated authority tonight and that beginning tonight, he's not just Jared or Brother Jared, but that we 
show him a higher level of respect. I should be getting some more amens. Hallelujah. It's just the way it is. And it will make a lot of difference in our own minds in the way we view him if we'll do this. But I'm telling you tonight, God's going to honor what's about to happen here. God's going to honor it. And you know, it was an interesting thing. God said to Moses, I want you to do this in front of the congregation. I want them to see it. Many times... Moses would call for the elders of Israel to come and to be a part of what was going on. This is, to me, a very significant thing. And again, I want hell to know this. Before I ever leave U.S. soil tomorrow, I want hell to know that this church is not leaving, is not being left unprotected. That though I'm not here in body, my authority remains. Hallelujah. I want hell to know that. And I promise you, he'll get a hold of me. Anything that's got to be done, anything that's got to be decided, I know. I've, I've watched him. I know how it works. It'll all be run through me. I'm still going to be pastoring, but I'm going to be pastoring from time to time, remotely, through delegated authority. But I would like, I would like, first of all, I, I want Brother Hilton to come stand in front of this pulpit and then, and then, Pastor Hilton, I'd, I'd like for you to join me as well in praying for him. I'd like to ask the men of this church to gather around behind him, and then I'd like for the rest of you. I want everybody to be a part of what's going on here tonight. I want everybody to understand. This is important.